Hello, and welcome to Flushing Transit Authority. We are still, against all better judgment and sense, a New York Mets podcast. I'm Jay Bushman. My co-host, Will Stegman, is away on assignment, scouting for more AA relief pitchers with hard stuff, since that's what seems to be the most valuable commodity in Mets land these days. Uh, and today we're going to be joined by a special guest. Nicholas Brandt is a writer uh, who lives in Los Angeles. I've known Nick for a few years, and we uh, were both part of the same writers group. Uh, but it was just recently that I discovered he was also a Mets fan, and we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but first, I want to share a quick story with you. Um, this past weekend, at a party, I met a young man named Trent. Uh, Trent had just finished his uh, amateur baseball career in high school and in college. Um, he had said that he had hoped to maybe get drafted in a late round, but that didn't happen. And so he had made the, the decision to end his baseball career and uh, transition into something non-sports related. Uh, and that he was about to move uh, to New York to start a new job. Uh, and so I felt duty bound to kind of talk to him about what it's like to, to live in New York for the first time and give him some advice about living in the, in the big city, namely that it will kick your ass for a while, but you just need to hang on. Um, and, and I asked him if he had any friends, uh, in the city that would be able to help him and, you know, have a support system. Uh, and he mentioned that one of his best friends recently moved to New York. Uh, it was a guy who used to be uh, his teammate when he was still playing ball. Uh, this friend of his that just moved to New York was, uh, Dominic Smith. Uh, so we chatted a bit about how excited, uh, uh, all the fans were for Dom Smith to get called up and to join the team. And Trent told me that not only was uh, Dom a great friend of his, but that he is a special, special player uh, that who's on a different level than anyone else he had ever seen uh, in, in his playing days. And that he was convinced that Dom uh, was gonna, going to have a great career, a potential Hall of Fame caliber career. So Mets fans, you, you heard it here first. Trent says that Dom Smith is going to be great. And since I'm a longtime Nine Inch Nails fan, I make it a habit to always listen to people named Trent. Okay, now let's get on to my conversation with uh, Nicholas Brent. I'd like to uh, introduce Nicholas Brandt, our guest uh, on this episode of Flushing Transit Authority. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to be here and sad to be a Mets fan, but happy to be here. <laughs> well, that is that is sort of the theme here. And we uh, we had a, f a funny uh, this sort of came about through a funny way. We've known each other for a few years. Um, if memory serves, I think we first met at a, uh, a stage play, a stage uh, adaptation of the Acker and Blacker show. Tales from the Black Lagoon. It was playing somewhere oh, in Hollywood. Wow. And I remember we met kind of outside that and introduced by mutual friends. Um, yeah. It was many years ago. And we're, we're both part of the same writing group. Um, and so we've known each other for a while, but it was only this past summer that we discovered that we were both Mets fans. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we, I needed a room to stay uh, at in San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con. And you happen to have a, an empty uh, space. And then you told me, oh, hey, uh, I might need the space for to record a podcast. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know you were recording podcasts. <laughs> and what's the podcast about? Oh, it's about the Mets. The Mets. And I remember it was funny. We, we went to go grab dinner and we like stood online for this like two and a half hour wait at the 
Kansas City barbecue place in San Diego. But the time flew because we were like a Mets fan. Let's talk about the Mets and everything about the Mets. And it was it was it was a nice it was a nice discovery. It was really really uh, a great surprise. Yeah, I, you never know. I mean, you just assume that that lost and vacant look is just Hollywood weighing down upon you. But sometimes it's that you're also a Mets fan. Yeah, I mean, the two great tastes that are very, very similar to each other. Um, sadness and rejection and disappointment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so speaking of sadness and rejection and disappointment, um, how did you become a Mets fan? What, what indoctrinated you into our tribe? Well, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, that area. And so we had the Buffalo Bills for football. We had the Buffalo Sabres for hockey. But we didn't have a professional uh like a baseball team that I could definitely follow. And so I followed my grandmother's lead and grandma Brant was a Mets fan. So I grew up watching it on WOR and just early on, thankfully we won a world series when I was a little kid. And so it kind of cemented them in my heart and then they've, they've been disappointing me ever since. <laughs> yes, they hook you while you're young, and, uh, and then you can never, never let it go. Although, I have to say, my experience was a little different, because when my uh, parents started taking me to, um, to baseball games, the first couple of games they took me to were Yankees games. Oh. And it just didn't take. And my my dad had been a lifelong Mets fan, and I was raised in a in a household where you know the the rule was you 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 don't you don't root for the Yankees. It's uh, the 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 old saying is like rooting for the Yankees is like rooting for General Motors. Like again, you don't root for an American League team. But and and I actually just talked to my dad about this recently, and he didn't really remember. But I'm I'm sort of guessing that when he started taking me to team to to games. This is the late 70s, early 80s, and it was right the few years after the Mets had traded Tom Seaver. And I can only intuit that everyone was just still so angry about that that they wouldn't go to Mets games. So the first few games that I went to were Yankee games. And this was like when the Yankees were in the World Series and in the playoffs every year. And it just didn't take. It just didn't take. And then they... He took me to Shea Stadium to some Mets games, and they were terrible, and I fell in love. And so I, I'm not quite sure what that what that means or how that happened, but but it's not always oh they win when you're young and then you're stuck for a lifetime because man they were bad when I when I first started watching them. And I, I think that part of it comes from them not being the Yankees. Yeah. Like so many people choose the Yankees just to choose the Yankees, uh, and it's like. There's another option, and you, if you want to be somewhat different, if you're somewhat rebellious, yeah, you choose the, the younger brother type right. yeah. team, which is the Mets. And I think once you stick with them, you're an underdog rooter for the rest of your life. And yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And a, a couple of years ago, I made a, a short-lived uh, attempt to get into uh, English soccer. Um, and when I was looking at like what team should I support, it was absolutely clear that the team I had to I had to back was Manchester City, because they're you know what's the team that's the second team in the big city and the other team <laughs> in the city has the worldwide branding that everyone knows and this team is traditionally bad but every so often they just spend a crap load of money and try and be good for a really short period of time followed by another long stretch of being terrible Manchester City that's my team. Um, yeah. See, I wish you were around. I, I chose the Tottenham Hotspurs. So, uh, 
They were, it felt like it felt Metzian. <laughs> they they were they were a close second choice. I, I gave them a long look, but then you know it just it just didn't take. I I, I maybe I'll to make another make another attempt at uh, at soccer because I need to I need to watch something that is not uh, despair inducing like. Um, like this team has been this season, but before we before we get onto that, I, I want to go back and ask you uh, uh, um, when you were growing up, when you first had your first um, uh, flush of Mets fandom and love. Did you have a favorite player? Was there was there one player that you really gravitated towards? Well, I really loved that '86 team because they they like won my heart over. So it was always uh, Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden. But I, I just I think Doc. There's something about Doc Gooden that I, I just always hmm. I resonated with. And then uh, as I grew up, I, I, I had took a shine to John Franco. I, I I don't know why I've always like leaned towards pitchers, I guess. Hmm. And I just love that that John wore a shirt uh, representing his dad underneath his his jersey all the time. And then when I moved out to Los Angeles, I was in the the outfield stands, and Dennis Cook tried to throw me a ball, missed. <laughs> Totally emblematic of his Mets career. Uh, and then threw another one. I caught one. And then when uh, Franco was warming up in the bullpen, he signed it for me. Oh, so I, I got his autograph. Oh, that's awesome. Pretty much like my early on in Los Angeles. So that was pretty cool. That's, so I'll, he holds a big part in my heart, too. That's fantastic. Wow. That's great. Good job, Franco. Sign, sign yeah. the ball there. For me, uh, when I was growing up, I, I'm left-handed, and when I, you know, made my futile attempts at, at playing little league ball, which were, you know, the less the less said about that, the better. Um, they put me up for a space, and so my hero was always Keith Hernandez. Um, partially, oh, yeah. partially because left-handed first baseman, but partially because he was always so cranky. And he always was just like, oh, come on, like, let's get get it together. Like, can we get past the pretense of all this, like, like garbage that we're talking about and just get to what we're supposed to do? And I really, really related to that, which makes me I can see that. very, very <laughs> happy that Keith is now uh, uh, on the broadcast team and he can continue his grouchy, cranky fun streak uh, during the games. It's it's really one of the few things to to still listen for this year. See, I, I thought you were going to say Keith Hernandez because of the mustache. Well, that too. I mean, I mean, the power <laughs> of that mustache is undeniable. Um, and you know, absolutely. I, and I have to say, I've been a, a, a Keith Hernandez fan, old school, long time, and, and it has nothing to do with uh, with his uh, appearance on Seinfeld. Um, I'm actually one of the <laughs> like seven or eight people in the continental United States that never liked Seinfeld, so I just kind of gave that whole thing a miss. But when everyone was like, oh my God, Keith Hernandez, he's awesome. It's like, well, yeah, where have you been? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned that you, um, you had that John Franco um, experience when you first uh, moved out here to L.A. How long have you been in Los Angeles? Uh, I've been here since late '98, so it's it's been a half my life. Wow, wow, yeah. And I've been I've gone to tried to go to at least uh, one Mets game every season. Uh, that run on the World Series a couple years ago, I got to see the the game they closed out against the Dodgers. That was a that was an incredible night. That was that was oh. unbelievable. I remember uh, I was there too with my wife, and we. Um, I remember when it was over, just like being less exhilarated than just exhausted. <laughs> just like spent. Well, 
I just I stayed at the stadium. We all went, all went over to the the Met side of the field. I was actually sitting in the the wrong side of the field for the game, and just I thanked the players. I was so happy that we won. I just like thank you, and it just called them out by name. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, and I just, it was. It was my my appreciation to her. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So, being here in in LA for twenty years, like how how have you kept up your fandom? You said you you've gone to at least one game a year uh, when you can, but like has it been a has it been a struggle? Has it been a challenge? It's been mostly online. Uh, unfortunately, I still get all of the pop up alerts from ESPN every time there's a game. So. <laughs> That will momentarily like affect and impact my day because I'll be like, "Oh wait, they won today! Wow, wow!" And then, okay, the Reds beat them fourteen to one. Yeah. That's not good. That's not great. That's not great at all. Yeah, I imagine. And I, ultimately, oops, sorry. I was going to say I can't imagine what what it was like before. Um, the the rise of the MLB app and, and oh, the, yeah. the MLB advanced media whole world that just changed how we can how we can stay connected to these teams when we're not in New York. Yeah, I, I think the highlight of the season for me was Mr. Matt flipping off that dude. <laughs> that was pretty special. Like I. I I was hashtag I stand with Mr. Matt yes. that whole way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, how, how have you been coping with this, uh, this long, 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 tough season? Well, we, we, we knew we were in for a, a long season when Thor went down. Yeah. And, and unfortunately we've, we've been blessed with quality pitchers that haven't been able to make it a whole season. And I think that's been the tale of the tape. Uh, so I think I kind of, when that happened, I went into next year mode. I, I, I think I've just been, I'm battle shy or like mm. I have the wounds that I'm like, okay, well, growing up a Bills fan, growing up a Sabres fan, it's, I, I, there's a f- switch that flips and it's like, okay, maybe next year. And then you just start hoping for the future. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. We, uh, we've, we've devoted many episodes of this podcast when before it seemed like it, the, the, uh, the inevitable was going to happen on discussing like, do we, do we stay in? Do we trade everyone? And I was very much early on the bandwagon of trade everyone that you can get whatever you can back, clear out, clear out the, the contracts, bring up Rosario and Dom Smith and whoever else. Let's see what, you know, we can get out of Brandon Nimmo for a, a couple of months and then take all that money and hopefully spend it wisely in the off season. Yeah, I just worry. I don't know that I've ever felt like we've truly spent the money wisely. We've spent the money, but I don't know that we've ever spent the money super wisely. It seems like a lot of players will come here on those big contracts and under-deliver and underperform. Yeah, there is there is certainly the uh the tale of that tape, the um you know, the the Michael Kadires, the um oh. the uh, uh um God, the Mo Vaughns. As much as I loved Mo Vaughn, I, and I was actually really pro that deal, and I really enjoyed having him on that team. That was a disaster. Um, yeah. 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 And um, and do we think that Collins is the manager going forward? I don't Are know. you pro-shifting all that? I, I, I don't know, really. I, you know, I don't really have a... a, a 
a hunch either way or a strong feeling about, I know there's a lot of argument about like the manager counts, the manager is overrated. I, you know, the, the manager to me, the biggest job the manager has is balancing egos and balancing personalities. And if Collins can still do that effectively, then, you know, keep him around. Um, but if he's can't, and if he's, you know, reached the end of the line, uh, I, I just, I always worry because when you bring in a new manager, oftentimes that means a new coaching staff, that means a change in philosophy. And I don't want to go through a change in philosophy right now. Like I want to, I want to ultimately, and you know, I, I hate to use this as the comparison, but it, it, it's, I think an apt one. You have to look at what happened with the nationals and replacing, was it Jim Riggleman with, um, Dusty Baker who just came in and took mostly the same players and just elevated them to the next level. And so if we're going to bring in a new manager, it would be nice if it was be somebody who could do that instead of like bringing in a whole new scheme. Yeah. I think that Collins lost a little bit of my faith with the whole Thor situation when Thor wouldn't go in for the examination, like outright refused. That says that there's not that leadership saying, Hey, you're young. I get it. You want to pitch. We love that about you. You're a competitor. But you know what? Your long-term health is more important to our organization than you going out and pitching in a couple days. You're absolutely right about that. And I, I wonder a lot about what that says about the the team leadership in the front office and, and more than that, the team leadership in the clubhouse. And that, you know, yeah. that's, a, that's a job for David Wright. And you know, David Wright being the, you know, the captain and the guy who is the one to enforce those, those kinds of inter or intra clubhouse issues. And without him there, but also without him gone completely, it's, they're in this weird middle zone where it feels like no one is really going to step up and take his place because he's not gone completely, but there's still that vacuum there. And I don't know who that who that person is, um, who could, who could fill that role. And, and that's going to be an interesting thing for them to figure out. Yeah, no, I I think you hit the nail on the head. It's definitely missing that like leadership, uh, elements that he brings to it. And, uh, I mean, there's always talk of him being ready to come back, but I don't, we've been waiting a long time and, I don't know how feasible that is. Speaking of Thor, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but um, uh, Noah Syndergaard dropped a couple of very interesting tweets. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull these up. Um, So his first tweet was, um, and, you know, Noah Noah, uh, Syndergaard is from Texas. um, So I think he's been, you know, really... um, uh, affected by the recent um, Hurricane Harvey and and what it did to Texas. So, so here are two tweets from Noah Syndergaard uh, yesterday. The first one: U.S. pulls out of Paris Climate Accord, then hit by four hurricane hurricanes in six weeks. Global warming karma with a like a, a emoji, the emoji of like thinking, wondering emoji. Hashtag. hashtag right. I'm a Texas Republican. Hashtag wake up. So the first one is like, okay, so Noah Syndergaard has decided to weigh into the global warming debate. He follows that up with another tweet that says, so the, the first tweet ends with global warming karma. The second tweet continues dot, dot, dot. And I know karma. 
hashtag take the MRI. <laughs> so at least... Well, apparently he's grown up while on the DL. Apparently so. Noah has figured out that that was not the right play. Um, and he's also figured out that uh, global warming is actually real. Uh, so I guess those are good signs. I guess that means we're taking the good signs wherever we can get them. Absolutely. Especially since like two of my favorite players are have been on the DL. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I loved David Wright. I thought he was like the heart of the team. And I think missing that has been difficult. Yet lose Noah, Cespedes went down. Like, I mean, just can we... Is, is it a, a training thing? Or are they just not keeping them healthy? Uh, it's, you know, this is something that is, there's been a lot of ink spilled on this. And, and it's, it's, I think, a combination of this is happening to everyone. Every team across the league is having yeah. these injuries. And also just Mets fans like to think that we're cursed. And so everything is indicative of a secret plot against us. Um, that sounds like us. That sounds about right. Just because you're paranoid does not mean they're not out that to get That is true. You. That is very, very, very true. So um, I want you to uh, I want to get you to weigh in on a big question that that um, Will and I have been discussing over the past couple episodes. So earlier in the season, we talked about how when the Dodgers and the Dodgers have kind of tanked in the past couple of weeks, but before that, they were on this historic run, and we were like, even though we live in Los Angeles, we cannot support the Dodgers in the playoffs for one really big reason. And that reason is Chase Utley. Oh yeah. No, no. I, I was a casual Dodgers fan. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are Dodgers fans. I would throw my weight behind them if they weren't playing the Mets. But the moment that Chase Utley made that air quotes <laughs> slide, just to make sure that people understand that was not a slide. The moment that he made that he has earned my ire for the rest of his existence and I cannot support a team that has him Okay, on. but here is the dilemma we found ourselves in. Um, from the very first episode of this podcast, we have been flying the Curtis Granderson flag. He's our, he was our favorite player on the team, one of our favorite human beings in all of existence. And then he got traded to the Dodgers. And so we had to sit here and go, does having Curtis, does the prospect of getting Curtis a ring outweigh the fatwa against Chase Utley? And we came to the very tough decision that it does. So we're going to, assuming the Dodgers don't, you know, pull a 2007 Mets and, like, collapse their way out of the playoffs, um, assuming that they are still in, we are going to throw our weight behind the Dodgers and then just sit on our hands whenever Chase Utley is up. Um, is that, uh, how are you going to handle that? Oh man, that is that is a tough call because I do yeah. like the Grandy Man. Uh, I and like I actually like a lot of players on the Dodgers. I just hate Chase Utley with all of my being. It's very difficult. Uh, if there were a way for the Dodgers to win and Chase Utley to be not denied a ring, I would be okay with that. <laughs> yes, we we spent some time trying to come up with uh, scenarios to make that happen. Many of them were, you know, needlessly violent. I I tried to steer it towards let's buy him an all expense paid, you know, vacation to Hawaii or Borneo or somewhere, um, you know. But if if he would just sort of you know slip or trip or something and find his way off the roster, that would make a lot of us. Much, much, much happier. Um, but as it is, I think we're going to hold our nose and we're going to uh, pull for the Dodgers as uh, as difficult as that might be. 
you know, you may have swayed me just because you reminded me of how much I like. Yes, Curtis, Curtis Granderson <laughs> cures all ills. Um, so let's just let's fly the Curtis Granderson flag and hope that he gets a well deserved ring. Um, yeah, because I won't be rooting for the Dodgers. I'll just simply be rooting. This for is him. a great plan. I think we've come to a good, a good sort of place where we can all uh, live with and we can all be happy with this. Um, so, Nick, I want to thank you so much for uh, for being our guest uh, on this episode of the podcast. Before we sign off, is uh, uh, is there anything you want to uh, you want to uh, plug? Anything you're working on, or do you want to tell the uh, listeners where they can find you online? Well, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Nicholas Brandt, Nicholas, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S, Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T. And plug-wise, hey, everybody, if you're in the Los Angeles area and you will be at Los Angeles Comic-Con, uh, we'll actually be performing some songs from uh, the musical I co-wrote called Comic-Con the Musical. So look for Fantastic. that. Fantastic. And we'll put some links to that in the show notes. Um, and uh, great. Well, uh, I hope that goes well. And, you know, we've only got a couple of weeks left before Mets baseball goes dormant for uh, for the winter. And I think we'll all be a little relieved when that happens. But uh, I, I hope you get through the rest of this uh this season without too much angst and um and let's uh let's hook up in october to uh root on curtis granderson and the dodgers uh no no we'll root on curtis granderson <laughs> but not the dodgers that's an excellent plan <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you for lot, having man. me thank you thanks bye. a lot to nicholas brandt for joining us and we'll be back in two weeks for the Flushing Transit Authority season finale. Will will be back from assignment, hopefully, with some bullpen flamethrowers. And we will close out this this year and what a year it's been. Uh, so please join us then. Uh, in the meantime, please like, rate, and review on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And even though it's well futile at this point, let's go Mets.